Hi, this is Ricardo, pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life-giving and life-changing. Take care. The president, President Trump, declared a national day of prayer today. And so for the next few moments, what I'd like to do is uh, honor that declaration. And of course, um, one of the best things we can do is pray. And, uh, and, and take everything to prayer, the Bible says, in Philippians. And so it's essential uh, that we take a moment and just ask God to be present. Here's the, here's the reality. God is in control. He's a big God. He's bigger than any virus that will ever hit our, our, our world. And we have hope. We have hope. No matter the circumstance, we have hope. We have joy. And this is one thing I encouraged our First Impressions team. Let's have joy. Let's bring joy into this world. There are fights over toilet paper. That's not joy. And so we need to have that joy. We need to have that life in us that shows that God is in control and that we truly believe that. And so let's take a moment, and as we pray, let's pray for our nation Let's pray for our world. Let's pray for our community. And just that God will allow us the privilege of being a testimony and a light to our community. Right? Amen. God, we just thank you so much that you are an amazing God. And as our nation gathers to pray, may we we just call out to you right now, Lord. And we ask that your Holy Spirit would sweep over this country in the name of Jesus. That the power of your spirit would sweep over our country and over our community and over our church in the name of Jesus. And that you would continue to be glorified in every setting, in every situation, in every circumstance. Lord, we're saddened by the lives that are being lost. We're saddened by those that are discomforted. We're saddened by those that are are, are not, that don't know you as their Lord and Savior and and are, are fearful of this moment. But Lord, I pray that the power of your spirit would move in such a way that we would see your healing power, that we would see your glorification, that you would shine brightly in our world. And God, we believe that you are going to use this moment to glorify your name and use us to be full of joy, to be full of happiness, to be full of that strength that comes from you. Your grace is sufficient for us. Your power is sufficient And we trust that you're going to do amazing things in our lives and in the lives of those that we contact and in the lives of our leaders in our community, in the lives of our leaders in our country. And in the name of Jesus, we just declare that you are victorious and you are in control and we have nothing to fear and that we will be victorious in Jesus' name. And we thank you and praise you for that. We give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen Amen. and amen. The thing that is interesting about debt is the the fact that most of us have experienced it on some level somewhere along the way in our lives. And uh, if you're in debt today, this message is not intended to make you feel bad or guilty about debt. I'll let the Lord deal with that. But um, as we hack life. As we go through these life hacks, we will experience some interesting things. We will experience some interesting things that happen in our lives that are on a daily basis. We have stresses and, uh, 
and, and, and they're, they're important things to deal with. By the way, if you're on Facebook Live, I hope you guys are experiencing a good experience. Hopefully you hear well enough to enjoy the message. So um, <clears throat> let me just say this about uh, debt. Interesting thing, the total uh, debt in our world today, in, in America, is $14.15 trillion. Can you imagine that? The average household is $137,879. This includes your mortgage. So debt sometimes, and, and for me personally, uh, I'll always, debt wants, to, you want to eliminate debt. And, and so, but housing debt is a little different than the revolving debt or the other debt that, you, that we get into. And so, um, but this includes all of that. But $137,879 on average. Credit cards, revolving debt, which is the worst debt, this is the dangerous debt, is $7,104 per family. And that's crazy, or $466.2 billion. Mortgages, were on average, are 192,618. Auto loans, 27,934. Wow. There's some nice cars. Student loans, $46,679. It's a crazy amount of dollars. Yeah, yeah. And of course, spread that out and the averages uh, work out differently. But at the, we, we are a country in debt. And uh, it's one of those stressors. And, and I want to uh, deal with that. Let me just define. So we've defined the tension. We've defined the issue. Here's what life hacks are. Life hacks are teachings from the Bible that help solve the big and small issues of life, right? They're the things that we're going to talk about to solve the debt issue. Uh, the definition of a life hack is an often creative strategy or technique adopted in order to manage one's time and daily activities in a more productive and efficient way. And so these are ways, or these are, as we talk about life hacks, we're talking about things that can solve the problem of debt. Do you feel limited by debt? Have you ever felt limited by debt? I mean, do you, do, you, do you feel like you're not doing as much as you could because of debt? If you didn't have it, could you do more? And, and when I say could you do more, I'm not defining what more is. I'm just saying could you do more? When, when the tithe is mentioned in the church, do you go like, oh, I can't afford to tithe. I'm too far in debt. I owe too many things. Are you frustrated because debt seems to control your money decisions? That's the one thing that kind of drives your, 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 your decisions about what you do financially. When opportunities arise for missions or helping other people, do you feel limited in your response? Because the first thing that goes through your mind is, oh, I, I can't afford to go on a missions trip. I can't afford to give to that missionary. I can't afford to do this nice thing for these people. I can't afford to meet that need that's there right in front of you. Debt kind of limits. Are there times when you first think about your obligations to your debtors or your lenders before you think about what you desire to do for God? Man. Yeah, I said I didn't want you to feel guilty, but if... If those, if those questions kind of get to you, you're probably going, man, 
I am in debt. And it's troubling. It's, it's challenging. Here's what I, I want to define debt like this. It's debt slavery. Because the Bible really calls it that. The, di- the Bible really calls debt slavery. So debt slavery is this. The limiting of freedom based on the lender's need for repayment and the cost of personal, missional, and eternal objectives. So here, let's, let's look at this de- definition real quick. The limiting of freedom based on the lender's need for repayment. So if you have a debt, right, you're obligated to pay that debt based on the lender's need for repayment. They gave it to you based on a trust that you would repay it. So you're there. You're the lender and you have an agreement, whether it's a contract, a covenant, whatever you want to call it. There's something that you've already said. I give you control or I commit to, to pay you a certain amount of money based on the amount of money I've lent, I've borrowed from you. But it limits you because you have a personal desire to spend money, a missional desire to spend money, or maybe an eternal desire to spend money. We'll talk about those in just a minute. But you're limited to those things because of your debt. That's what slavery is. Slavery is understanding that someone else has control of your decisions. Someone else has control of your life, of your circumstances, of the way you spend money. Now, you've made that commitment, but at the end of the day, if you decide to to not make that commitment, if you decide not to follow through, there are legal ramifications for defaulting on a debt. There are legal ramifications. And in the Bible, it was clear. Debt, if you owed someone, they could put you into slavery. So the context of the Bible, the context of Scripture, is a clear understanding that if you owe someone, they own you. That's scary. That's scary. I happen to have school loans, a little bit of other revolving debt. But if I choose not to pay those bills... That my, my, my lenders own me. I can't not pay those school bills. I can't not pay those bills. And as a result, somebody owns at least a portion of my income. And I have no other choice but to spend that, right? That's slavery to some degree. To some degree. Now, in America, we're a, we're a, a, a bankruptcy-happy culture. And uh, if you've ever gone bankrupt, you know that it, it helps at times, but it's definitely not the practice that we want to, to, to make a, a habit of. And so let's see what the Bible exactly does to hack debt. And you're going to find it. I'm not trying to get you to spend less. It's just spend right. Spend right. That's what the Bible is going to give us guidance for. So Proverbs 22.7 says this. The rich rule over the poor. Don't like that statement. Um, but the rich own a lot of things that, that the poor work for and, and, and uh, are involved in. But here's the key. And the borrower is slave to the lender. And the borrower is slave to the lender. Now, in, in the Old Testament and the New Testament both, it was very, very clear in their culture that if you owed someone and you you weren't able to pay them back, then they could put you in slavery 
until you worked out that debt. In fact, we'll see it in the upcoming scripture. In Matthew 18, verse 21, it says this, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Now, forgiveness is the same context as debt. If, someone, if, if you have unforgiven somebody, if someone uh, has hurt you and you haven't forgiven them, you are considering them a debtor to you. They owe you something. Like if you're hurt and, 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 and you want, uh, you're not forgiving somebody, you, in, your, in the back of your mind, if you're not even saying it with your mouth, they're saying, they owe me. They owe me. They need to make up for that hurt that they created in my life. That's a debt. And then, Jesus, and then he goes on and he says, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master, now watch this, we're only using this, this scripture to, to give us context for slavery. The master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. That's slavery. And that was an acceptable practice in the context of, of the first century church. And so at this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and look at this, and let him go. When you don't have debt, you're free. When you don't have debt, you're free. This is the goal of every one of us in our lives is to live without debt because debt puts freedom into our lives rather than slavery. Is there an amen on that? All right, good. So the reality is this, is that debt limits freedom to give. Debt limits the ability to be spontaneous. Have you ever just wanted to like walk into a place and, and throw down some money and say, I want to pay everybody's bill? Right now there's uh, churches around the nation that are doing some really cool things. One church uh, paid everybody's, uh, one church paid all the students at their school's library indebtedness. So that a bunch of students hadn't returned the books and they just paid it off. Another uh, uh, church paid off all the doctor bills. I think it was like $120,000 of doctor bills of, of uh, some people in their community. And, and other churches are doing very similar things like that. Pretty amazing. Yeah, I'm jealous of Honda. Have you seen those commercials? Yeah, Honda's random act. How come, how, why is a car dealership doing stuff that the church should be doing? Right? Right? I got some ideas about that. We'll talk about that in later days because I want to compete with Honda. It's random acts of kindness. They go and they pay for things. They stand at a car wash and uh, pay everybody's fee for the car wash as they go in. Honda's random acts of kindness. Of course, it's a, it's a, 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 a marketing. It's marketing. We want to market Jesus, amen? 
We want to represent him in our community, and why can't we be part of random acts of kindness? I'll, I'll share those ideas later. So what are the hacks to debt? What are the things that we can do to get out of debt? What are the things that we can do to win and, and be free rather than be slaves? I think there are great ways that we can consider. The first one is this. It's a very simple one. Develop a trust in God for your needs. Develop, develop a trust in God for your needs. This is a really simple one, but listen to this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. It says this, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying at a single hour to your life. Isn't that what going in debt really is attempting to do? Is to add something to our lives, is to add an hour, add a, a, an item, add something that meets a need. And we're not willing to be patient and trust the Lord to take care of our needs. I think that we need to understand that this passage of scripture, we need to take it seriously. And I'm guilty of these things at times in my own life. So I, I don't want to give you the impression that I'm this saint that gets, you know, that doesn't fall into this trap every once in a while. Especially here in America, we feel like we need everything. But the reality is this, is that God will provide our needs. Here's what I believe about sin. Sin, in most cases, is us trying to take care of a need in our life that we're not patient enough to let God provide for. And so we get ahead of him. Premarital sex is only the effort to have something before you should have it. And not trust God that you're going to get it when it comes time to be married and have it in a good relationship. Theft. Theft is, is the effort to get something you think you need instead of trusting God to provide it for you. We call thieves thieves because they steal things and we think that they're just bad. But in many cases, they're stealing things that they think they need ahead of God providing for it. We cheat on our taxes or we, we, we tell a lie because we're afraid of the truth when we're not letting God deal with the truth and, and trusting him. I like these statements. His means is our measure. His means is our measure. His, 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 uh, this other statement, his provision is our prosperity. If we will just allow God to, to determine where we're to live, we will live in comfort in that context and be okay with it. But we let America do that for us, right? You got to have this car to be cool. You got to have this hat to be cool. You got to wear Stetson cologne to get all these ladies. Trust me, it doesn't work. I tried it when I was a kid. I smelt like a dirty cowboy. Develop a trust in God for your needs. Secondly, hack number two is practice tithing as an act of worship and trust. Now, I know what you're thinking. 
Uh, he's just trying to get money for the church. No. Here's the deal. Here's what I want you to understand about uh, Pastor Ricardo when he talks about money. Money is potentially one of the most dangerous things that can control our lives. And when it does, it, con it controls everything else, including our relationship with God. And what I understand, and what I understand the Bible to teach, is that when, and, and, and one pastor said it a long, long time ago, he said, when God's got your pocketbook, he has all of you. And I believe that. I believe that when God has all of us, and that just doesn't mean our pocketbook, it means our calendar, it means our, our, our pocketbook, it means um, our, our talents, our skills, our abilities, everything is God's. That's the understanding of stewardship, is that God owns it all and we're managers. That's why we're stewards, we're not owners. That's why he's the owner, we're the managers, and we're to manage it appropriately. And here's what I believe about the tithe. The tithe is understood to be 10% of our income. And I believe it's 10% of our gross income. Because it's a first fruit offering, it's the first above anything else, it's the first things. And it, so it becomes part of the 10% of the whole picture. And that's between you and God, if you want to tithe on the net it's up to you but that that the whole thing is what God provides in my opinion and that tithe is something that that allows us to put trust in God to do with 90 percent what we can't do with a hundred percent and I think it's a beautiful expression of trust and it's a beautiful expression of worship in fact the tithe from the very beginning of time we find that Cain and Abel were giving offerings to the Lord from the first fruits of their, uh, their crops. Cain didn't do so good. Abel did really good because he gave of the first things. And as a result, Cain, uh, Abel received a blessing from God, and Cain didn't bring every, the first fruits. He brought the leftovers to God, apparently. And God said, I don't like that offering. I love this offering. First fruits. And so from the very beginning, Abraham gave a tithe to Melchizedek, as a, and Melchizedek was a type or a, a kind of a picture of who Jesus was, and he gave a tithe. This was before the law ever became the law. And tithing became a practice in the church as a, an expression of worship, not just an obligation of expense. And that's what I think the tithe needs to be. Hack number two, if we want to hack debt, we need to come to a place where tithing is an, is an act of worship and trust. Malachi 3, 6-12 says this, I am the Lord, I the Lord do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me, God says. But you ask, how are, you, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, the whole, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. You're withholding what belongs to me, is what God is saying. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. In that time, it, the storehouse was the temple. 
and, and there may be food in my house, and it would supply the needs of the, the, the Levites to do the ministry of the church and, and continue to expand the, the knowledge of who God is and, and provide a context of worship. So bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. Oh, my goodness. What God says right there. Says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Floodgates floodgates. This is the only place in Scripture where God says to test him. It's the only place where God says, give me a try. Try it out. And if you're not tithing right now, I encourage you to try it out. Test him. Test God. And, and let's see what happens because he will come through. I have no question. I have tithed my entire Christian life. And I believe that things have lasted, I've said this before, that things have lasted far beyond style to my wife's regret. They've, they've lasted longer than they should have. Cars have lasted longer than they should have. All these kinds of things because God is taking care. The, the, the pests aren't getting to my stuff because he is first in my life. And I'm not bragging, I'm not trying to take a proud moment here, but I'm just, as an example, God has been faithful with the 90% of my income versus what I could have done with 100. Yeah, you live on a different level. You know what? I found out that banks don't care if you tithe. They'll give you as much money as you want. They'll lend you as much money as you want. I could really go in debt today if I chose to not gonna but they don't consider the tithe when I, when I when we go in for a mortgage it's not about what the bank says I can afford it's about what I can afford on 90 not 100 you see and so it, it does change my lifestyle a little bit it does it does affect how I live because I'm not living on 100 I'm living on 90 but it's still a blessing and God has opened the floodgates in so many ways. The tithe provides for ministry for the church. The tithe reveals a trust in God. God blesses the tither. He opens the floodgates and he gives us long-lasting things. And then the world looks at us and goes, that's cool. The world looks at us and goes, wow, I love that. I love that. I love their trust. I love what God's doing in your life. And I tell people, God is in control of my finances. God is in control of my, my well-being. God is in control of everything I have. So hack number two is practice tithing as an act of worship and trust. Hack number three, give generously. This sounds crazy. If you want to hack debt, give generously. Here's why. 2 Corinthians 9, 6-8 says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Can you say, say this with me? Whoever sows generously will also 
reap generously. <laughs> That's amazing. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. If you're reluctant or you're compulsive, neither one of those are good motivations to give generously. So don't let people twist your arm. And as much as I respect the a a ASPCA, the, 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 the poor animals on TV, just don't give out of the emotion of that. I mean, to see those little puppy dogs, you know, and their sad little eyes and all that kind of stuff, that, that could be a compulsive gift. Just be careful. Not a bad thing to give to. Just be careful. And God, who is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. He provides for everything. Why do we need to go in debt? Why do we need to, to, to obligate ourselves to be slaves rather than allow God to give us what we need to be able to make a difference in this world? That's the plan. That's the plan. And I know there are people in this room right now, maybe people on Facebook Live that are going, I don't, I can't afford to tithe, let alone give. And my feeling is we can't afford not to do these things because this is where the blessing comes from. The provision comes, the faithfulness is exercised, and the blessing is received. The provision comes, the faithfulness is exercised, and the blessing comes after. We kind of want to say, I'll tithe when. You can't do that. It doesn't work that way. Because the floodgates aren't open. I'll give when. Well, if you're not sowing, how can you reap? And the, the Bible's clear. And if, if we're going to go, well, I'll go in debt for that, and then I'll pay for it later, and then you can't tithe, then you can't give, then you've just shut everything down, and nothing happens. And you kind of go, man, this hole is getting deeper. This hole is getting bigger. And I think we have to understand, the, the, the way the Bible works is to keep us out of debt, not get us in it. Hack number three, give generously. We are the determination of our reaping. We're the ones that determine how we get blessed. And that's hard to understand. And, and, and I'm not saying blessing is always in the financial realm. Many times it's in that how, things, how long things last and maybe just learning how to work with less and see how far less goes. God can do whatever he wants. God is an abundant blesser. And lastly, hack number four, invest in the kingdom work of God. Invest in the kingdom work of God. Listen to this passage in Matthew chapter six. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's been said many times, if I could look at your, your checkbook I, or your, your, your bank statement, I would know exactly where your values are. 
You'll look at my bank statement and you'll see how much I love food. <laughs> you will. Unfortunately, part of my heart is really there. And part of my heart is right here. But the reality is, is that where our, where our heart is, that's where our treasure is. There's a, a book out that I just was, uh, while I was studying for this, this message that I, I came upon. It's called Gospel Patrons. It's an excellent book. And it's the stories about the people behind people who made a difference. And there's this one lady, her name is Lady Paddington, who is a lady who supported George Whitfield, a revivalist, long time ago, who made a radical difference both in Europe and in the United States. In fact, he opened doors of gospel preaching and led thousands to Christ and preached to millions. And it was this lady who, after George Whitfield died, realized that she had a, a responsibility. And she said this um, when she was building a chapel in this one community that didn't have a, a gospel center. And she said this. She said, uh, and she was criticized because she was building this chapel not for the poor, and she wasn't giving her money to the poor. She was giving her money to build a church or a gospel center where the gospel could be preached. And she says, I do pity the poor, she answered, and I will give them what I can. But when I gave myself up to the Lord, I likewise devoted all my fortune to him with this condition, that I would take with a sparing hand what might be necessary for my food, clothing, and support of my children. Many benevolent persons who have no religion feel for the physical needs of others and help them. But few, listen to this, listen to this statement and let it sink in deep because I think this is where God's speaking. So this is where he wants to shout. But few, even among professing Christians, have a proper concern for the awful condition of perishing souls. But few, even among professing Christians, have a proper concern for the awful condition of perishing souls. Lady Paddington said, I could give to the poor. And she's a wealthy woman. I could give to the poor. But really... What I'm compelled to do is give so that people can be saved and reached with the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And this is why I, as a pastor, believe that our missional effort, our mission effort here in America and around the world should be to build churches. To build places where the gospel can be preached. I'm not saying that giving to the needy is wrong. I'm not saying that, that doing other things for uh, people in this world is wrong in any way, shape, or form. And as God leads you, please don't hesitate to give. But I'm going to always ask you as a pastor to enable this church, Journey Church Ventura, to be a church that goes around the world lifting up buildings or pastors to preach the gospel around this world where, where the gospel isn't being preached or where it can be expanded. That's why we're going to Brazil. That's why we're going up the Amazon 15 hours to a little village to plant a church 
so that the gospel can be preached in that church. To give out water filters so that people can see Jesus in the hands of his church. That's why it's okay to spend that money because that is propelling the gospel forward. And when we create gospel centers, we create churches that, that will preach the gospel, they become their social centers of those communities. And I'm excited about that. $8,200 is our share. $16,500 will build a church in Brazil. Unfortunately, we only have to pay half of that. I encourage you, to, if you want to get behind that, great. There's still a little bit of room, maybe a little bit of room to go if you want to go on the trip with us. But we're going to go and we're going to build a church. And I believe if we want to hack debt, we have to learn these principles, these hacks that will allow us to see the floodgates open and the, the sowing and the reaping expand. And when we put our hearts in the kingdom, in our hearts, our treasure is where our heart is. And if we put our hearts in the kingdom, that means that everything we have follows that. And I pray today that the power of the Holy Spirit will take us out of slavery. That we will do everything we can to get rid of our debt so that we can be free to tithe. Free to give generously free to put our hearts where they belong. Because I believe that what God is doing in our lives today is simply aligning ourselves with his values, aligning ourselves with his kingdom, aligning ourselves with the work that God wants to do all around us, all around us. In church today, if you're on Facebook, if you're here in this building, I believe that today is a day where we can commit to say, God, please take control of my finances. Forgive me for getting in debt so far that it's limited me, that I become a slave to the lender. Let's do everything we can to, to begin to practice what it takes to get out of that debt, to live differently so that we can make a difference. Do you hear that? We got to live differently to make a difference. And when we do that, we can reach hundreds, if not thousands, if not millions of people for the sake of Christ. I want to encourage you today, pray, ask God, God, how can I release myself from this slavery? How can I pay off my debt so that I can be free to spend it on your kingdom values? How can I be free to tithe? How can I be free to be generous and spontaneous? How can I be free to open up the floodgates and to reap generously instead of so sparingly? How can I get there? I can't tell you that. I don't know your financial circumstance, but I do know that God is speaking to you today. God is speaking to you on Facebook and he's opening the doors and saying, I'm ready to bless you. I'm ready to give you freedom instead of slavery. I'm ready to open the floodgates. I'm ready to bring a, 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 a crop beyond imagination. And I trust that God's gonna do amazing things. Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that your Holy Spirit would open the floodgates right now. God, at least those floodgates that would allow us to rearrange our lives for your values. That our, our hearts would be open to knowing that we have to change things to, to, in our lives. We have to live differently to make a difference. 
And I pray that each person in this room that's feeling that burden of death, that's feeling that, that, that locked in feeling, Lord, that you would open the opportunity for them to pay off that debt and move past it to freedom, to joy, to experiencing the joy of being part of the kingdom and putting our, our investments in the kingdom. Lord, I pray for every person that here today that is in slavery, that is in that place of, of limited uh, ability to do what you want them to do. Lord, I pray that you just move them past that debt and let them experience the joy of freedom. I believe that you're doing something special right now. And I thank you for it, God. Help us to make a difference in this world, we pray. Help us to do everything we can to experience the freedom that you have for us. And the, the floodgates and the, the, the crop that you want to bring, the, the, the recovery, the, the value of, of reaping what we've sown generously, God, I just believe is going to happen. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus is your personal savior. I just want to encourage you right now that you can accept Jesus Christ as your savior. He loves you. Before you even consider dead, if you're on Facebook, we just want to encourage you right now that if you don't know Jesus, he died for you. He rose again so that you could have, you and I could have the promise of eternal life. And I just want to invite you right now to say yes to Jesus. If that's you, if you're in this building, I just want to encourage you to raise your hand and say, Pastor, I want to accept Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. I want to know that Jesus that loved me so much, he died on the cross and loved me so much that he defeated death, hell, and the grave by raising from the dead. And I want to live for him forever. If that's you, if you're on Facebook, you can say this prayer, simple prayer. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I accept that forgiveness. And Lord, I believe that you were raised from the dead three days after you died on a cross giving me eternal life and I believe that with all my heart and the Bible says that based on those two confessions I am saved and I am redeemed and I have promise and hope for eternal life and Lord I thank you for saving my soul right now I pray that God blesses you I pray that debt would not be uh, something that we're experiencing in our lives, that we're set free from that, and that we experience the joy of knowing Jesus and being able to align our hearts, our finances, our world around the very uh, values that Jesus has set before us. God bless you. Let's worship with Ron right now. Amen. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to join your journey. And I hope the message made a big difference in your life. And if it did, we just encourage you to go to journeychurchventura.com and let us know. Also, be free to share this message with your friends and family. We just love to impact as many people as we can. Once again, thank you for joining us at Journey Church Ventura.